0: It was a a lengthy conversation, Uh, it was about fried worms, and uh, I was having this conversation with these two little cuties, blondes, Um, they were missionary daughters, we were at a world mission festival, Carol and I, and um, well I finally made the decision to listen to the girls so I popped them in my mouth and I began to chew. Now at first it was like eating anything that's fried, there's that crunch, And there's that uh, fry oiliness in your mouth. But as I continued to chew, I I realized that what was in my mouth tasted like something that shouldn't have been in my mouth. But I swallowed. (laughs) And then I immediately stepped to the next booth to get a beverage so that I could cleanse my mouth. And I took this little cup of fruit and I swished it around in my mouth, and I realized what I had just done is swish this nasty, nasty beverage around in my mouth, and I later found out that it came from an exotic fruit that should remain in this faraway country. Missionaries, go figure. Now, some of you are thinking, I'm not surprised. That guy will eat anything. A few of you are perhaps thinking, oh, what fun. I'd have done the same thing. Okay, maybe none of you would have done that. But the rest of you are wondering, what did he learn? Nothing. I would do it again. (laughs) But I wonder this morning, as we think about Jonah, working our way through the uh, little book, Jonah, I wonder at which point in Go Ahead and Toss Me Overboard flying over the rail of the ship, or splashing in the cold, surging water, did Jonah realize that this was not his best decision? I wonder. What I'd like you to do for a moment, a brief moment, turn to somebody next to you and briefly tell them about a choice you made that wasn't that good. Go ahead. It's time for confession. You two are here. You over there. Right, let's do it. Right here in this room this morning, we are going to disagree. We're going to disagree over the mistake that took Jonah into the water. Some of you are going to think it was offering to become the sacrificial lamb to save everybody else. That was just a dumb mistake. Some were thinking it was his disobedience. Others, it was his running away from God. And some might get that he had this soul deep hatred for a people group. Choices. We make choices every day, all day long. Some of these choices are as easy as ice cream or broccoli. Others are a little more complicated. Two scoops or three scoops? (laughs) In which toppings? You see, I knew you were gonna choose the ice cream over the broccoli. Now, other choices may be just preferences. For instance, my shirts. I prefer them untucked rather than tucked. But Carol told me that untucked today with a tie would be tacky. Um, My socks. Funny versus grown up. Almost always chocolate over vanilla, unless it's cheesecake, then it'll always be vanilla. Now, some of our choices are more about our character. Stop and help, or just keep going. Point out the waitress's mistake, or count it, Woohoo! a little savings on my meal today. Bite your tongue, or dig in for the laugh. Now, some choices are relatively small as far as the impact, orange or apple. But other choices could radically change your life. Yeah, I'll marry you. Now last week we opened Jonah chapter 1, we watched Jonah make a series of choices. Some seemed to make sense, and others were just simply appalling. Like, how could he do that? Especially for a guy who worked for God. I mean, what was Jonah thinking? No, no God, I'm not going to do that. I mean, what was he thinking? I don't want to do what is right today. Sorry God. Jonah's story is about choices, or part of it is about choices. He chose to disobey God. He chose to run away and hide from God, because, you know, you can do that. Not. And he didn't pray when he was in trouble. Instead, he took a nap. And he ignored the danger that he had placed all those other men on the boat. They actually had to come and wake him up. And he chose death death over obedience, as if he could say to God, see, that shows you, I really meant it. Now, I've also made a few bad mistakes, just a few, like going too fast on a couple of occasions and getting a speeding ticket. Some of you have done that. Yeah, I know. Saying unkind words and losing a friend, wasting money that I needed later, every no that should have been a yes. Or vice versa. And I'm sure some of you had made choices you wish you could undo. Now the key is once we recognize that we've made the bad choice, that decision, we need to respond appropriately. And things like owning up and living with them or apologizing or doing your best to fix those. But when we come to Jonah, the hardest thing about studying Jonah is recognizing how much like Jonah we can We can be careless with our own choices. And we can be stubborn when we're wrong. So last week as we looked at chapter 1 in Jonah, we noted that Jonah had been called by God to preach to Nineveh. It was a city that was just steeped in sin, gross sin. And he was to preach repentance and salvation. But Jonah chose to sin by leaving town without obeying God. That is, he heard God go and preach in Nineveh, but he ran the other way. He took a ship headed toward Tarshish, which was as far away from his preaching assignment as he could go. And after this at sea, dangerous, life-threatening experience, Jonah found himself overboard in an attempt by the sailors to appease God, or the God that Jonah had worshipped, or claimed that he worshipped. And so what we did is we left Jonah sinking in the waves. And today we'll pick up in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. If you have your Bibles, I hope they're already open to Jonah, but 1, But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Now, we had talked about that, and we weren't going to discuss it because Jesus had said that Jonah was inside a fish for three days and three nights, and we're not going to argue with Jesus, are we? No. So that's enough of that. But as we think about that verse, I don't care how you read it. You can read it standing on your head. You can read it in any language you want. You can read it forward or backwards. But I'm going to tell you that Jonah was not in a good place. I've never been inside a fish. Now, I've cleaned fish. Uh, There's nothing inside a fish that makes me say, gee, I wonder what it would be like to hang out inside a fish. He was not in a good place. And I'm not sure we really need to know what kind of fish swallowed Jonah. It was a large fish or a huge fish or a big fish, depending on which version or translation you are using. But it was a fish that was big enough to hold a man with enough air for him to breathe for three days. Now our concern, though, is what Jonah experienced while he was in the belly of that fish. So, back to the story, verse 17. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And I know some of you are wondering, and the answer is sushi. That's what he ate for three days, because there was nothing else around. There was no hamburger stand, there was no taco place. This fish would have been screening out seafood and just eating it, and there was no stove, so he was eating sushi for three days. I know that's not theological, but I'm pretty sure that's how that played out. Now, the rest of the time he was in the belly of the fish, he prayed because, I mean, gee, swallowed by a large fish, what are you going to do? You pray. Besides, chapter 2, verse 1 tells us that. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Now, this I think is quite a change in Jonah's life because up to this point, it doesn't seem that Jonah was all that concerned about prayer. He didn't pray, or at least we're not aware that he prayed. He didn't pray about his life, he didn't pray about his situation, and he apparently didn't pray about his choices. You see, he was commanded to go and preach at Nineveh, he ran the other way. The ship that he was on was sinking, and rather than help, He slept. And then when he was put on the spot, he said, just toss me overboard. That would solve everything. I am sure he didn't pray about that before he said that. I know if I had prayed about that, I would have come up with at least 20 other things they could have done before they threw me overboard. But once swallowed by the big fish, Jonah prayed. And he did not pray, Get me out of here! Instead, his prayer consists of words of praise, reflections from the Psalms, and revelation about what he knows about God. So listen as I start reading at verse 2 of Jonah 2, and I'm going to make a couple of comments as we go through, but this is his prayer. Jonah prayed. In my distress, I called on the Lord. Now, I'm assuming that Jonah wrote this later, or he told the author who wrote it later, because he didn't have paper with him. In my distress, I called on the Lord, and he answered me from the depths of the grave. I'm assuming Jonah was thinking, I'm a goner from the depths of the grave. I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep. Now one of two things, he's either blaming God for getting him into the deep water and into the belly of the fish or he's acknowledging the sovereignty of God who moved along with his bad choices to create a scenario where he could be having this conversation with God into the very heart of the seas and the current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight yet. I have been banished from your sight yet. I will look again toward your holy temple. Now I wonder what Jonah had already experienced, what he had already witnessed, that he could in this not good place Speak with words of hope. I will see your temple again. Verse five. Listen to Jonah's poetic images here. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. And to the roots of the mountain I sank down. And the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought me up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Now, all of these words are traditional, typical Jewish imagery, and at the end, it's typical Jewish worship, gathering at the temple, offering up prayers to the God of the temple. Verse eight, those who cling to worthless idols Forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, I, with a song of thanksgiving, will give thanks to you, will sacrifice to you. And we can imagine him thinking about worshiping, sacrificing at the temple again as we read these words. What I have vowed I will make good, though he doesn't say what the vow is, but what he has vowed he would make good. Salvation comes From the Lord. Now, Jonah rode an emotional roller coaster as he's enjoying, as he's experiencing these three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. He realized that death had not come. That was what he anticipated when they threw him over the rail of the boat. He anticipated drowning and rotting in the sea, and yet he was alive. It's a roller coaster. I'm gonna die. I'm alive. And so Jonah prayed. Maybe there was worship involved in this prayer. Maybe some of these words were words of worship lifted up to God. But without getting lost in any lengthy discussion, trying to spiritualize what he said, I'd like to just briefly highlight the various points of his prayer while he was in the belly of the fish. First, he said, I am in trouble. It doesn't get much worse than this. So please help me out before I breathe my last. I am being punished for my bad choices. He knew that. And I fear I may not see you again. Now, for those of us who are believers today, we have a solid understanding that we will see God again. But this far back in the Old Testament, there wasn't a fully developed eschatology a foresight toward the future. He hoped, but he wasn't sure. Without you, O Lord, I feel lost. He recognized the emptiness of being separated from God, and he acknowledged that alone was not a good place to be, and perhaps alone is what helped him make all of these bad choices. Please rescue me and I have rejoiced and enjoyed your salvation before, and it tasted good, and I want more of it. He acknowledges all this in these words, and I praise you for watching over me, and that's something you and I can be praising God for, because there isn't a moment where he's not watching over us. And he was thankful for whatever God was going to do to or for him, because he was alive, not dead. And even now, he's asking these things on the other side of having sinned really big. And Jonah was not unlike you or me or most anyone who's caught in a tough spot. We will cycle through words like this, talking with God about our decisions, talking with God about our situation. And perhaps we'll offer words of praise, confession, and renewal. Now, perhaps you have noticed how many people, churched or unchurched, get more religious when they're in a really tight spot. Well, here's Jonah, a man who worked for God, who had hit bottom. And suddenly he was more religious. He was more interested in the God that he worked for because he was in this tough space. Jonah actually prayed in verse 2, from the depths of the grave, I was as good as dead. And even in that situation even though he was sure he knew why he was there and it was probably a good decision on God's part he still was hopeful that this sin wasn't the end. And what he's leaning into is what you and I call grace. God's riches. What we do not deserve but is poured out upon us. Now What do you and I believe? Well, we believe that God loves us, correct? We believe that God can forgive us, correct? Or some of us may have minimized God's goodness. I'm just so bad. Or we might think that I have decided that my sins are so big, I'm just not going to bother anymore. I've met people like that, have you? I'm so bad, God can't forgive me. Well, if nothing else this morning, please be reminded that God is all about love, and his love looks like grace and mercy. It looks like giving us what we do not deserve and holding back what we do deserve. Not because he's not gonna pay attention to what we've done wrong, but because he's taking care of that in Jesus and what he did on the cross so that when he deals with us, he looks at us through eyes of love and offers grace and mercy. Now, making bad choices that produce bad results can feel like drowning. We can feel like we have been banished from God's sight, that we have been engulfed. We're down to the bottom. We are all alone. We might even feel like I'm drowning in my choices. I can feel that way. But Jonah shows us that in the midst of despair like that, there is a glimmer of hope. That when we lean toward that glimmer of hope, that glimmer of hope is God, and the glimmer becomes a brilliant light. And he knew that. In verse 4, he said, I will see you again. In verse 6, he said, you brought me up. He knew that God was going to be and was indeed his deliverer. Even out of his sin, God would deliver. Truth would not be forgiven. We read in chapter 2, verse 8. Again, part of Jonah's prayer. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Now, there are two things worth noting here in this verse. The first is that only God makes a difference. Only God makes a difference in this kind of a situation. Only God makes a difference when we are so buried under our sin that we can't imagine another way out. God is that way. And Jonah says to choose otherwise is to lose what he offers. Grace and forgiveness, this is what God offers, but we can reject that. But why would we want to if we knew that was the way out? And the other thing to note is that only God truly saves. It is one thing to say, get me out of this mess. It is something else to want to access the better kind of life. And Jonah, Jonah was looking forward to real life. He was looking forward to seeing God again in his temple and worshiping him to coming full circle and reviewing the vow that he had made. And perhaps that vow was attached to his call to ministry. I will do what you have told me to do. In much of Jonah's prayer, it implies that he expected God to save him. Even as he was suffering in the belly of a fish whatever that yucky environment feels like when you're surrounded by it. And he was thankful for what he remembered about God, what he knew about God. He wasn't just thankful for being alive. He was thankful that he was alive and God was involved in his life. Now, sin is never a good thing. Sin hurts us. Sin hurts others. And sin, our sin, breaks the heart of God has moved to remedy that, that we might be together with him again. Forgiveness is always there. It's just a confessional way. And not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. His work on the cross, passing through the grave, arising and ascending. Forgiveness is the best choice, or it's the best result of the best choice that you and I can make on the other side of any sin which is confession, owning that we have done wrong, owning that we have stepped away from the life that God has set for us. And know that there are no sins too big for God to forgive. There just isn't one. But perhaps for some of us, the thing that keeps us from confessing any sin is our fear. Our fear of what happens when I say these words about what I've done wrong. Or perhaps there is the concern that I'll be embarrassed owning up to that wrong. It is a minor thing versus dying in our sin. God truly loves us. He loves us just the way we are. And that's why when we lean toward God, we can know that. Because he loves us while we're smelly, dirty with our sins. And he'll love us when we're all scrubbed up. Now, occasionally, when we review what we know about God, it helps keep us before the truth that holds us to the path of righteousness. And being thankful, counting our blessings, is healthy behavior. We read in Jonah 2.10, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. That, my friends, sounds like God was offering Jonah a fresh start. I'm thinking at least, at the very least, Jonah might have learned something from this most recent mistake and his ocean journey and his time in the belly of a fish. I'm pretty comfortable saying his learning was not yet done. He had not completed all the lessons that God had for him. And we'll note some of those in chapters 3 and 4. But I wonder about me this morning. I wonder about you this morning. What have you learned? What have you learned as you've set your life beside Jonah's life? Have you been living like Jonah? Have you been looking for a way out of that kind of a life? Do you need three days in the belly of a fish to come clean with God about the baggage you're carrying that doesn't belong to you? Are you ready to talk with God?